you know, it, it, it wasn't as hard as I thought to find a, a I just typed in into Google Piglet and Jack the Ripper and I found my avatar. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that is. I had to cut it out, but it, above his head, there was a word bubble that said, Red Jack, Red Jack, Red Jack. <laughs> Derek, I know a place where the women, you know, you know the place? Yeah. <laughs> it would be lost on you, Michael. <laughs> I can't go by myself. Yeah, that that was the first time I've seen that episode. So like I was kind of like laughing at stuff. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. But uh, it, we'll I, get into I haven't it seen it in a while. Okay. Yeah. When we start, we'll get into it. But I don't want to shoot my load now. But <laughs> had you seen the Enterprise episode before? Nope. Oh, okay. So this should, okay. Interesting. This should be very interesting. Interesting. But yeah, like I said, like I said yesterday, it's like I, I was like I asked my friend who was so sort of familiar with Star Trek, and I was like, "Have you seen the episode where McCoy gets the crew high to fight the ghost of Jack the Ripper, who is possessing Piglet from uh, Winnie the Pooh?" And he's like, "No, but that sounds like Star Trek." With your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go! 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 Oh. Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women, defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know who is the consultant? Could he be? <laughs> No, I have no <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us. We don't explain it. Red Jack, Red Jack, Red Jack. Hey guys, welcome back to another intergalactic, tastic, planetary, horrific episode that's spooky and dookie of Fan Holes Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone on this Fan Holes Fright Fest as Fan Holes Fright Fest continues. I'm not alone. I am joined by three, count them, three of my fellow Starfleet crew fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike and no bother. Piglet's gone murdering people again. Hey, this is Justin. No, I am Bratis. Guess like Regic, Regic, Regic. Hey, guys, this is Tony. And why would they ever, like, pin the blame on the, like, constantly alcoholic member of the crew? 
So yeah, so we're here. We we decided as part of Fanhole's Fright Fest, we're going to be talking about some spooky Star Treks. That's the theme, spooky episodes of Star Trek. And we've got two episodes that we're going to discuss with you. The first episode is from the original series, and it is titled Wolf in the Fold. And the lengthy, fantastical, 20-page synopsis of Wolf in the Fold no, I'm just kidding. It's from IMDb. Kirk and the Enterprise computer become detectives after Scotty is accused of murdering women on a pleasure planet. That is the uh, IMDb synopsis of Wolf in the Fold. But you know what? We were talking to Mike last night, and I think Mike would uh, would would do uh, us a, uh, a a huge favor if he he regaled us with how he explained the episode to his uh, roommate the other night. Oh, yeah. Like with my friend at work, I was like talking like, you know, this is the first time I've seen that episode. So like, I, you know, my friend at work's a fairly big Star Trek fan, too. And like he's probably seen more than I have, but I don't think he's seen all of the original series. So I was kind of like I was like, have you I was like, I'm going to describe this episode to you and you got to tell me if you've seen it and you know what I'm talking about. I was like, I watched an episode of Star Trek where McCoy gets the crew high to fight the ghost of Jack the Ripper, who was possessing Piglet from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and he was like, you know, I have not seen that episode, but it sounds very Star Trek. So, yeah, like that, that was I was trying to, like, distill it down into one sentence. And that's what I came up with. I'm, I'm still sad that uh, that Red Jack wasn't the big bad on uh, Picard season three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. Didn't didn't you didn't they hint at that or something? There was like a. What was it? A playing card with the, like a red jack on yes, it, or a red jack? And then people were like, "Oh my god, it's red jack!" Oh, like, oh my god, <laughs> poor red jack. <laughs> you know, you know what I ended up thinking of when I when I watched this episode, probably for I don't know the fifth or sixth time in my lifetime or whatever. Justin was um, I was thinking of my Babylon 5 rewatch and how ah, Jack yes. the Ripper is like some ancient, uh, you know, I don't know what space alien guy that goes on forever and ever and ever. And I was like, is there is that is that is there something to that? Like, should should that dude meet up with Red Jack and they should like cross dimensions and have a conversation with one another on, you know, who the best uh who the best uh, working ladies are to slay at night or whatever the deal is, you know, like that's, that's kind of what uh, occurred to me on this watch through. Sounds like a silver age DC idea. Crisis of the two Jacks. Yep. Yep. Something like that. And then I think the other thing I was going to ask was, did Peter David like write some sequel novel to this that would have, you know, <laughs> potentially negated uh, red Jack showing up in Picard season three? No, but Reject shows up in several comics. He shows up in two issues of DC Volume 1. He's in a TNG Wildstorm era comic. And he's in a IDW Halloween comic, which is... I've, I've reviewed the first part. I think this is going to be at least a two or three part like Halloween-centric miniseries, but he's in that. Are those... Are those exclusively like uh, original cast comics, or are some of them? Do they some of them like the Wildstorm one? Does that go into like other spinoff shows? 
No, the Wildstorm is strictly TNG crew. Oh, okay. And the okay. IDW special is also strictly uh, TNG. Interesting. So he does he does make it out to the TNG gang. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I know I know you know. Obviously, Mike is still in shell shock. But uh, Tony, have you seen this before? Oh yeah, oh yeah. This this is you know like all the episodes are classic from T- TOS. I mean, but I remember when I saw this one, it was it it, it definitely kind of struck me as a young child because like like Justin's impersonation of the the computer going haywire with Red Jack's voice, like you know, it didn't really dawn on me as a kid that this is kind of like a horror story. You know, as I've gotten older and, you know, been exposed to more, you know, science fiction and horror and, and different genres and stuff like that, you know, I, I've gotten used to the idea that a lot of sci-fi can be easily translated to horror, you know, because when you think about it, all horror is, all being scared is, is the unknown. And in space, you don't know shit, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's a lot to be scared of in space, so taking that basic idea that like, you know, space is scary to begin with and then throwing in like a character like Red Jack, who is, you know, Jack the Ripper, it, it really adds like, you know, another dimension. Do you remember I, the first time you watched this, Derek? Like, were you spooked by the spooky episode? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Like, I, 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 I feel like I wasn't like super spooked because I think, I trusted, you know, like in, you know, the power of Captain Kirk and Spock to like solve this shit. Like, I, I don't, I, I, I mean, I know you're supposed to have some element of concern and I think I was concerned for Scotty, you know, like, cause I was like, ah, he, you know, I'm sure Scotty didn't do it. Like, you know, and, and, but you know, I, w- I think, I, I think I wasn't as spooked out, but I think maybe I was young enough that I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I knew the punchline when I watched this when I was young, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know that I understood conceptually what, you know, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe from some other movies, maybe later I would have understood what Jack the Ripper was, but I, I'm trying to think like this might've been the first time I, I heard of Jack the Ripper, but I, I, I don't know if that's true for any of you guys. I'm pretty sure I was already, aware of that because i i mean it sounds weird but i i even as a little kid i was into like true crime and stuff like especially jack the ripper i remember for the longest time i thought this episode was like off-putting and i sometimes when it would come on i just i felt like i wasn't ever in the right headspace for it i think it took me a while to kind of like get used to it because it i don't know i feel like it was how do i put this i think i used to feel like horror and sci-fi shouldn't mix so having you know having the peanut butter and the chocolate like back then i was just like this doesn't feel right you know scotty frame for murder and a spooky ghost possessing people and the computer going kill crazy like it feels weird but eventually i got over that i don't know maybe like jason x helped me get over that like don't don't cross the streams thing because like eventually i did kind of like embrace this episode and then another thing that helped was uh, i started reading like a lot of like robert block's work like psycho his uh, yours truly jack the ripper 
which is kind of like a repurposed version of this story somewhat, like minus all the space stuff. But um, I think, you know, embracing the the crossing of the streams and reading more Robert Block kind of like, I was like, yeah, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I appreciate what they're doing. And then the thing with like Piglet, it kind of added like another like weird layer to it. So like, I, I think like I fully embraced the, uh, this episode for all its weirdness, but for a long time, I felt it was very off-putting. I, I think like I, I was used to Red Jack, the idea of Jack the Ripper, because oddly enough, I don't know if it was right at the same time or very close to it. Like uh, I had seen time after time and. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is, is, is kind of a similar premise as, as far as, Jack the Ripper at a different time, but it is totally time travel. There's no cosmic spiritual enemy. But yeah, I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I was like H.G. Wells and and then uh, Jack the Ripper in modern day, you know, times, uh, the 80s at that, that time. So like, I, I guess that's also why I was a little bit, you know, more like, you know, accepting after I watched it. Like, you know, I was like, oh, like, okay, I get it. That that was supposed to be scary. I think as a kid, I didn't think it was that scary, but it was, it was like you said, just it was very surreal, peculiar for a Star Trek episode. So, like, I, I've been aware of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, seeing him just dropped in there, you know, it's it's one of those things that you, again, as you get older, it's it's not that uncommon to see, you know, literary uh, or or real life, you know, uh, figures dropped into different science fiction and stuff like that, you know. But back then, it was like, you know, Star Trek was just really big about that too. It was like, you know. This week we're gonna have you know Jack the Ripper. Next week we're gonna have Space Abraham Lincoln. You know, fuck it. You know. <laughs> I think also the, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't make it completely unique from other Star Trek episodes, but I mean, I do feel like the Argelians are kind of, at least within the context of this episode, because there's, you know, like like we said, this is this is supposed to be a theme of spooky Star Treks, and you you have that layer to the episode but then you've just got like an entire planet full of people that just you know dig on pleasure you know and i it, it kind of made me think a little bit of risa but it's like risa doesn't have the same feel that that uh the argelians do you know what i mean like argelis 2 or whatever right like it's not the same thing as risa because risa seems like you know some kind of beach pleasure planet and riker's always going down to get his groove on and all this other stuff. And it seemed like there, there, th that was part of what was going on. But then like Scotty's recovering from a concussion or something like that, you know, like that, 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 you know, and there's the, the, the notion that the, the female officer caused the blowback that caused the concussion. And they have that whole conversation about this is to get his mind off that. And, you know, and, and it seems like everything's going smoothly, but then, of course, they go into the fog, and then that's when the whole Red Jack nonsense starts, and then everything kind of goes to pot after that. But there's, I don't know, there's something about, and I don't know, maybe maybe this is the same thing that I felt like when I would read those early issues of uh, Marvel team-up and see, like, Tigra and see Scarlet Witch and kind of be like scared, like, you know, a little bit like, like, it's like, 
you know, the the Argelian like belly dancer or whatever. It's like, I guess you're supposed to be like, oh, she's hot. Like Scotty should go off with her and all this other stuff. But then because of the the context of this, because there's all this weird, spooky stuff going on, like there's something to me about that that's also kind of uh, dangerous, you know? And, and so like that, I think is, I, I, I guess the best way I can explain it is most times, like, I feel like, you know, when Captain Kirk or Riker are getting their groove on, like, I don't, I don't feel like there's any danger. It's more like somebody's feeding them grapes and everything's cool. But like with this, it's like, oh, Scotty tried to do that. And then he was like punished for it or something, you know? And I was just kind of like that, that, that I feel like is unique in terms of, of Star Trek. Well, I, I think a, uh, one thing that I really wanted to uh, address with this episode is I, I myself like Montgomery Scott uh, as a character. And I'm sure you guys do too, but he, he was one of my favorites. And at Scotty, like he has been, he, he has had great scenes in various episodes, you know, uh, you know, the Romulan ale or, or, you know, you know, he's, he's, he's popped up and had like his little, like, you know, shining moment, but like, I, as far as I know, this is like the only episode where he is really a focus. It's like, sure, we've got the main three trying to figure out how to clear his name or figure out if he actually did it. But like Scotty is like one of the plot points, like like him, his character, you know, in this trouble is like the main driving factor for the plot. You know, is to get to Red Jack, we have to clear Scotty and that's how they find out about Jack. And that's kind of cool that, like, this is, like, a Scotty Spotlight episode, you know? And he does, like, James Doohan gets to do a lot of acting in this. You know, he gets to act, you know, like, you know, terrified, you know, like, of possibility being, possibly being a, a killer. And he, like, you know, he's, he's starting to question himself after a while. And uh, I just, I don't know, I enjoyed that aspect that we actually get to shine a light on one of the, like, you know, non-Big Three members of the crew. I would say this and the lights of Zatar are like the two Scotty centric episodes, which it's funny because lights of Zatar also has a kind of like romantic angle that goes askew as well. If you remember that episode, I always, I always find it weird. Cause I, I hold that, uh, that Star Trek annual in such high esteem. So mm-hmm. I, I start wondering like, wait, like is, is he, he, he like I, I think I come to episodes like that and Zaytar and kind of go, so is he not married yet? Was he married and on the outs with her? Like, mm, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I keep, yeah. I keep thinking about that, that Peter David annual where you know it's like, oh, I, I'm gonna love you, Scott Montgomery, you and you're gonna be the love of my life and all that stuff, you know. And I, I keep thinking of his wife. And then, and then it, it's sometimes I think of the same thing, like when, like on shore leave, when McCoy is like, you know, walking arm in arm with like two, two bonnie lasses, as Scotty would say, and walking off at them. And I'm like, doesn't he have a daughter? Like, wasn't he married? Like, well, you know, like what, what's going on here? But like, you know, but then I guess, you know, maybe, maybe they, 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 they were also estranged as well. Like, I don't, I don't know all the, and, and I'm sure they weren't thinking of any of that when they wrote these episodes too so that that's probably delving too too deeply into it but but i do occasionally have those thoughts where i was like oh well you know to me i think of that you know that star trek annual and then kind of wonder like well you know i guess this is just you know him having some fun as far as the more sci-fi element of this but beyond just the fact that the red jack 
uh, entity is is like you know centuries old and, and it possesses people and it just kind of hitchhike hitchhikes across the galaxy. You know that's sci-fi enough. Like what what about like you know Michael had mentioned earlier about his uh, piglet story that uh, Bodes gets everybody high, which basically like Red Jack he he thrives on anger and and and, and negative thoughts like fear or whatever, and that's how he jumps from person to person. So Bones comes up with the idea of like, let's make everybody just giggly and stupid, get get them high as fuck, more or less. So the the entity can't possess them, and that's when it jumps into the computer. Like, th- did you think that was kind of a cool like like sci-fi element to to also deal with the the menace? I honestly like, and I I like I said, this is the first time watching this sh- episode. Like, I thought it was kind of funny actually. Like I I like I I was kind of. I know, like, you know, like, I'm watching this in a way different context than you guys, but, like, I couldn't help but, like, laugh at, like, yeah, like, everyone getting high and stuff, and especially, like, Sulu, like, wow, Captain, you know, like, a, Sulu, can you fly the ship? Of course I can, Captain, whoa, like, it's just, I don't know, like, I thought it was really funny, like, actually. Well, it is, it is, it is a, uh, it, it is certainly a uh, unique solution to the problem like it was just kind of like okay we're gonna get everybody like hopped up so they're not afraid and i'm like does it work that way like do you do you stop being afraid because you're and i i guess i guess that's you know yeah you 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 know you're, you're some people they probably are about to go into surgery or they're about to do the dentist thing right and they stick Novocaine in them or whatever it is and they pass the fuck out. But then it's like, if that's the case, like, I think I was partially expecting, like, you know, it's like, okay, he, he says, nurse, like, go around and, or I think even Kirk says, go around, inoculate everybody and then inoculate yourself. And, like, in, in you know, like, if you're thinking about it logically, you're like, oh, well, aren't, isn't everyone on the crew going to pass the fuck out and it all has to be on autopilot? But instead, and then it's like, how are you going to inoculate yourself? You're going to pass yourself the fuck out? Like, what? And, and But instead, it just seems like they're all still semi-capable, but then they're all goofballs, you know? Like, it's kind of like, I can still fly, but man, do I feel lightheaded, you know? And it's just like, well, uh, okay. Yeah, like yeah, the wrap up, you know, they're just kind of like <laughs> you're like like the whole crew is Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> well, that like, that that does explain why Kirk can't go down planet side with Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Check out the women. <laughs> Beavis, Butthead, we're gonna go down. We're gonna. There are these women. They're gonna. Uh, okay. Yeah, we can't do that. I'm just. I'm gonna stay here. We're gonna we're gonna take you to your rooms, Beavis and Butthead. I was also laughing at like you know, it's like you know Scotty murder like assumably like presumably murders that one woman like you know that as far as they know like they don't know they want to believe otherwise but like but then they like leave him with like the other like you know uh, lieutenant who comes down who's also a woman and like and then they walk in another room and then she screams and they come back and she's murdered too. I felt like, you know, Kirk was should have been like, you know, Scotty, stop murdering people. Like, you know, Scotty Decker, give us a second. Having Scotty murder people. Stop murdering people, Scotty. Well, I mean, like, also like Kirk could have been like a little bit more like uh, aware in the moment. Like, you know, after like the second one, was he like, my God, Scotty. Oh, all right. Well, 
get me another buxom young lass to watch Scotty again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, at first they don't believe it's really him, and then, and then, th- so I think there's a sense of trust, like, oh, this, this, uh, know. you know, technician's going to go in and clear everything all up, and then we're going to get the hell out of here, right, and not make a uh, interplanetary, intergalactic incident or whatever. But then, you know, it, it, the funny part to me is like when they all do the seance and they all like, I'm like, okay, fine, like you got to participate with this planet's culture and go along with the little seance but i'm like why the fuck are the lights turned down like why are you all closing your eyes like it's like what they all like it's like what is this kindergarten nap time and then you wake up from nap time it's like whoops scotty's fucking done it again he's fucking (laughs) stabbed the shit out of this bitch it's like what like he's like he's like scotty two women we can cover up but three (laughs) (laughs) three is it's too much we're going a little too far in here (laughs) oh man but i I also you know uh, immediately i noticed um uh, what's his name john uh fiddler fiddler uh i forgot what his name was you know the the dude the dude who you know the 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 dude who's piglet Uh, I, I forgot uh, how to pronounce his last name, but in whatever case, like, you know, immediately, like his voice is very distinct. I was like, oh, that's Piglet. And I also know him from uh, one of my favorite, like, classic movies of all time, uh, 12 Angry Men. So, like, you know, he was one of the jurors and that. So, like, yeah. And uh, did he show Didn't he show up on the Batman, the 60s Batman show, too? Uh, I, I feel like he was on the, the, the adventures of Superman as like a scientist or something, okay, but I'm, okay. I'm looking now, like, cause I don't, I don't remember for sure what he was on, but I'm just looking through his IMDB. Um, I don't, I don't see, let me see Batman. Well, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm imagining that, but like, yeah, I, I've seen him in a lot of old stuff. Let's see. He was on Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, Twilight Zone too. Yep. Yeah, I remember him in a lot of. Like, I remember seeing him in Twilight Zone. Yeah, he, I don't even. I maybe I was remembering wrong too because I don't even see any listing for the Adventures of Superman or Batman '66. So maybe we just made that up. I, I want to say that like he uh, he did a voice for like a, a, a popular commercial brand. I just want to say that, but uh, he was on the Bob Newhart show, so there's that. I, I almost think that like he was like maybe I don't know Smuckers or I don't know something. I don't know. Like I just remember his because he's got kind of like this uh, not raspy, but like this kind of uh, lilting whisper of a voice. You know, it's just you you know his voice when you hear it. You know. Yeah, like I said, I, I recognized him instantly. And like like I said, he he was in Twelve Angry Men. I mean, he was in a lot of like movies and stuff. So, seems like such a strange like because it's like I know I was trying to make the comparison to Riza before, but it's like it's like they're so hedonistic that they need someone like Piglet from the Federation to like. <laughs> do their law enforcement for them, you know, almost. It's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's something about that that I'm just kind of like, huh, okay. Well, I, I guess, like, you know, the 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 through line basically 
is like even though you're you're kind of going into like this deep dive with the planet and like it being a pleasure planet i i guess and i mean i'm, I'm sorry 2023 but there's no way to put this red jack was famous for killing whores or women of the night or prostitutes or or as they were called now sex workers so i guess the the theme all theme they're going with is like well since this is a pleasure planet like there are women who do that even though it's probably different in the you know the future it's it's not as kind of give me 50 dollars for whatever sexual act so like red jack would be uh, uh attracted to that planet you know like he jumped into somebody, learned about this planet, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to go there because that's like, that's like my playground." You know, I, I, that's that's kind of how I took it. Like, this would be a world where he would have lots of potential prey. Like that, that's his, that would be his mo, I guess. You know. And then, you know, speaking to Mike's point about the episode making him laugh and and the actor, like, I I think watching it on like a high def blu-ray it's like crystal clear it goes from the actor who is quite diminutive and kind of tiny that plays piglet and then all of a sudden in all the stunt scenes it's like arnold fucking yeah. schwarzenegger that's bald yeah. and then you're just like holy shit like he got like t you know three feet taller <laughs> whatever for the fight and then like you, you know what cracked me up is like like so Am I misunderstanding this? Like, like Red Jack possesses him, right? Like possesses that Federation official, and then and then because of that, uh, like possession combined with Captain Kirk, like doing the the Kirk foo on him, then it's like, oh, he's like, I didn't hit him that hard, but they're like, Jim, he's dead, you know, or whatever, right? So th this guy that was possessed uh, is now dead. But they don't know that Red Jack's going to possess the dead body, but yet they still pick him back up and sit him on the chair and, like, gently, like, like put him on the table as if he's going to recover and i'm just kind of like wait didn't i mean am i did, did, that was something that went through my head like am i misinterpreting that like 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 why don't you think he's dead like why why it's like why are you like propping him up and like you know gently placing him on the table as if he's gonna somehow like wake up in a few minutes once Dr. McCoy puts, like, a stim in his, like, shoulder or something. Maybe they were just really big Winnie the Pooh fans, you know? Mm. Just like... <laughs> I don't know. I just I just figured it was, like, a respect thing, kind of, like, that, you know. Right, yeah. And, it, and, and then, you know, that also kind of, like, you know, speaking about going down rabbit holes, like, you know, what was, was he dead the whole time and, like, he'd been possessed for, like, you know, gear. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, that that makes you wonder the extent of Red Jack's abilities when he's possessing somebody. Like, if he was dead the whole time, like, it's like, can he possess somebody and they don't decay or atrophy or anything? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, they they obviously like 
but vaguely, but they obviously point out that like it's it's some type of you know centuries old like like uh, uh, entities like force and like you know they even give it a couple of different names uh, besides just Jack the Ripper and it's like uh, yeah is it does is it such a powerful entity that it can actually animate the dead and preserve it I don't know I mean that's that's some creepy ass shit you know. What happens in the the comics, Justin? Like, does is there more possession? Like, like is there more stuff like with the the official guy where people are dead but they're still getting possessed, or do they never touch on that? The Wildstorm one shot, I don't remember because it's been a long time since I read it. But in the um, the recent IDW one, like he kind of goes into the hollow deck. And does a bunch of spooky stuff, but there's no possessing like dead people or anything. Okay. Okay. The the Sherlock at Holmes thing was kind of interesting. It's like you know, was it was like you know, it kind of interesting to have you know, you know, Miguel Barrett like as the computer like you know helping solve the case. Kind of. I mean, obviously the the Enterprise's computer is, is not as far as we you know know uh, sentient. It's like you know a computer. But was it like interesting, like you know, having them have the back and forth? You know, it's like computer. What about this? You know, and like they do that a lot. But this was like almost more like a dialogue. You know, it's like oh, interesting. You know, that kind of stuff. I don't know. I all that makes me think of is the poor girl who was there, who was kind of cute, that was like doing the stenography or whatever she was doing <laughs> there. And then, and then, like because they're all like, as Mike Apley puts it, they're all like high as a kite. Like when when uh, Piglet tries to like slit her throat and tosses her away, like it's like she's still laughing with Dr. McCoy that she almost got killed. And I was just kind of like, wow, like that's I mean, I guess I guess that stimulant did its job. If if you <laughs> almost got your throat slit and you're you're laughing about it, you know. <laughs> right. It's like Dr. McCoy, he almost killed me. <laughs> It's it's not as as bad as, but sometimes I like you know it's the '60s, so sometimes I can't help but think of like the Bat Computer or whatever when they do. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, sure. it's for like sure. computers can just you know basically come up with the entire solution on their own, like with limited information, basically. But I mean, it's a it's a lie detector. It it proves the one guy is telling the truth. It proves Scotty's telling the truth. Like that, that it's like no change in temperature. Everything is fucking hunky dory. You know, like and it's like it's like, oh okay. He is fine, except for he's kinda weird. <laughs> you know, like whatever you know, it's like it's like that's that's uh, I guess it just does what it has to do for the plot or whatever. But it's funny how at first they're they're, they're like they're trying to feed in like, well, what you know, it's like, well, let's let's pretend the seance was for really reals. Like, what what did she say exactly? And they're trying to remember all the words and everything and they plug them in as words. But the computer doesn't pull up anything. But then once it becomes a name, then then that's when they are sort of led to the the discovery the the twist the shock you know reveal or whatever so i think that's kind of interesting too because that's that's kind of atypical for computers right if you don't if, you know garbage right. in garbage out you know? right yeah yeah like autocorrect yeah you know it's like it is red jack off you know <laughs> um hey uh justin i want to ask you because I've never done any research on this, and you're 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 kind of like our our resident history buff. Like, is Red Jack have any 
uh, uh, historical significance. I mean, I know it's Jack the Ripper, but I'm saying like the name Red Jack, or was that just something Star Trek made up, to, a new name for him? Jack the Ripper actually had several historical names, like uh, Leather Apron, and I think I want to say Red Jack was a name that was used, but it wasn't as prominent. I I think like I I could be wrong about that. Like it's it's been a while. I mean. I have read several factual books investigating, you know, Jack the Ripper. You know, some of them are pretty good, some of them are complete horseshit. But they do go into like some of the names because it was um it was that period of history where like pushing newspapers and you know trying to like uh, create a need for people to like buy a newspaper and then to buy like the you know the evening newspaper and to keep. We to keep the news flow going, even if it was kind of uh, suspect. But anyway, like a lot of these papers, they would kind of come up with their own names and all this stuff. Um, I think right. I think Jack the Ripper actually named himself in one of his letters because supposedly he wrote several letters to the police. And it, I say supposedly because people still debate to this day if they were actually you know from Jack the Ripper. And at least that's where, um, you know, uh, uh, Alan Moore's from hell, from from hell. Like that's them, right? Yeah. Supposedly that's from an actual Jack the Ripper letter, but, um, yeah, he has, he had several names back then and some of them are known more than others, but yeah, I, I believe it's fairly accurate. That's cool. I, I always like it when like, uh, popular entertainment doesn't just you know make up their own shit they actually do a little bit of research you know that, that's always cool unless of course it turns into like you know voyager finding amelia Earhart in the delta quarter <laughs> <laughs> well they, they gave the fuck up by then right <laughs> <laughs> sounds good okay <laughs> Also, Guys, also, what what are we gonna do for our season opener? Um, what if they just find Amelia Earhart like frozen in a tube somewhere in the Delta Quadrant? All right, shoot it, go for it. <laughs> I, I was joking. It, I was joking. She was also one of Janeway's biggest heroes, even though Janeway never ever fucking mentioned her before or after that episode. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, Earhart, 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 Earhart. <laughs> Possessed by the ghost of Amelia Earhart. I mean, maybe, maybe the show would have flowed better for the seven years if they were all hopped up on the same shit Dr. McCoy was passing out. Uh, would have made Harry's life a lot easier. <laughs> Jeez. Bilana, what? Okay. Maybe I think Voyager tried to emulate this episode because you did have an episode of Star Trek Voyager where Janeway straight up murdered someone. I'm referring to Tuvix, of course. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, this is this is this this idea of one of our crew maybe being a killer is is been done before. There was that TNG episode with Riker where, like, um, like he didn't commit the murder, but, like, they were saying, they were trying to convince him he did. Remember, like, he was, like, in the play? 
Oh, I thought you were talking about the one that's like Rashomon, where everyone has a different point of view, and they think that he like screwed the dude's wife and blew up the space station or mm. whatever. Yeah, well, there's that one too. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a trend in in, in Star Trek. Like, uh, well, I mean, there's that one with uh, uh, Chief O'Brien in DS9, where uh, they gave him the fake memories that he he killed somebody and like you know. Uh, he he served with him and like he lived him in that with him in that hole and like, uh, you know he thought he was a murderer and like some, and the guy like never existed you know it was like, you know. I, I feel I feel like we could go down this rabbit hole all night because there's a Voyager episode where they think Tom Paris married some dude's wife and you know she's like some cute blonde chick with like feathers <laughs> sticking out of her forehead and it turns out it was all her but she tried to frame Paris and you know all this and. You know, it's still early in Voyager, so you're like, the audience is supposed to be like, well, Tom is a horn dog. Maybe he did murder this guy for some strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you know, it it is it is definitely a, a trope in Star Trek to uh, to uh, do the uh, did they actually do it, you know, thing with uh, with their 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 characters. You're supposed to be like he is based on a character that they can't use because they have to pay the creator of it that was kind of shady on the shuttle flight with Wesley. So maybe <laughs> maybe he would bang another guy's woman and then kill the guy. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> That's just a Jayway's Jayway's voice. Tom. <laughs> Jeez. Well, despite, you know, despite it making me laugh, like I did enjoy watching it. Yeah, yeah. This is one fun. of those. I've only probably ever seen like maybe half of the original series. So like this is one of the episodes I hadn't seen. So like I appreciate that. I, I think if you're like a, a fresh pair of eyes to Star Trek, which I know is hard or, or rare, I should say, in this day and age, I think it offers like, you know, two nice things. It's it's. It's an episode with like you know that horror kind of surreal like weird uh, uh, part with Red Jack and it, you know it's kind of like spooky dooky, but I mean there's also like a, a good old fashioned like you know detective story here like a murder mystery like you know, uh, you know like we were just talking about like you know did Scotty do it we don't think he did you know we, we you know it's a race against time to to prove our man innocent so you you get kind of a twofer so yeah it's definitely a good episode. All right. Well, then I guess we've we've said our piece about uh, Wolf in the Fold. And when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to be talking about another spooky Star Trek episode. So stay tuned. Have you checked out QuadMProductions.com lately? QuadMProductions.com is your direct access hookup to order Enigma the comic book series and download the QuadM podcast. Check the appearances page for upcoming events and contact us with questions or comments. Don't be the only lonely soul who's missing out on all the fun. Visit us today at QuadMProductions.com. That's QuadMProductions.com. All right, we're back. We're here again, and in the second half of this podcast, we're going to be talking about a Enterprise episode. It's entitled Impulse, and I think Justin sold it to us as the Zombie Vulcans, which is fairly accurate. 
and fits into our whole spooky dooky theme. I'm going to uh, blow your minds, and instead of stealing from IMDb, I'm going to steal from Memory Alpha. And the synopsis of Impulse is as follows. After finding the drifting hull of a Vulcan cruiser inside an asteroid field, Captain Archer and his crew are surprised to find Vulcans quote-unquote alive on it. When they are stranded there, they must find out what happened to the crew before T'Pol succumbs to the same fate. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this was part of the third season of uh, Star Trek Enterprise, which is part of a kind of ongoing long-form narrative arc that's called uh, the Zindi Crisis Arc. And... Uh, it first aired October 8th, 2003. I mean, I think it fits within the parameters of Spooky Dookie. I mean, for sure, it is, it's a total, you know, horror zombie thing that, that goes on. It's, it's quite exciting. Um, definitely high octane action. Like, you know, the, the pace of it is, is quite, uh, uh, you know, fast and and the the emotions get really intense the more you know um to paul sort of is succumbing to this i guess you know later it's revealed there's an asteroid or you know material within the the asteroid fields this this kind of mineral that's that's basically messing up the vulcan synapses that makes them all kind of you know lose control of their emotions and become these zombie things or whatever luckily you know, T'Pol's a main character, so uh, she is spared from this madness, but the, the crew of uh, the Vulcan cruiser is not uh, is not so favored. So they're, you know, basically, you know, and they, they've got some moral issues where it, it seems like they're trying to, you know, stun all these zombies at first rather than outright kill them because they, you know, believe there might be an opportunity to, you know, potentially cure them of, of whatever is ailing them. I think I like the episode. The the one the one criticism I'll sort of lay down on it, and I, I think it's pretty obvious, even if you don't know this, but um the it, it's pretty clear in the commentary and it and it, it's it's kind of obvious that they didn't have enough time to fill out the entire runtime of the episode. And so they tacked on that kind of additional, like, spooky dooky horror ending, you know, where, where T'Pol wakes up a second time from the whole, uh, I don't know, hair-raising events encounter or whatever and uh and and it ends on kind of like this ambiguous ominous note which i think doesn't work because it's better when you know the original ending that was you know five minutes earlier like stands because it seems like it's in continuity and makes sense like archer just kind of going okay you're fine now i'm here um you know this this mineral was messing you up and we're not going to use that mineral um, we're going to, you know, put it on the back burner and whatever, and, and, you know, good to have you back. And that should have been the end of the episode, but instead they, they, they have a couple more scenes and turns into this weird kind of horrific thing at the end. And, and it just makes you wonder like, okay, so, 
you know, I don't know. It, it, it just, you know, to me, it makes you question something that maybe you shouldn't be questioning. But I, I think the, the creators of it on the commentary seem pleased as punch with themselves for coming up with it. But I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the, that that second ending was kind of tacked on to this. But outside of that, I mean, I think, you know, the acting's really good. You know, I like Scott Bakula as Archer. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Trip. Uh, the subplot with Trip and Mayweather is fine. Like it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. But they, you know, that's not. It's it's definitely the B plot to the the A plot that is the, you know, the the Vulcan zombies on the ship. And um, I mean, I I think with what they had to work with, you know, the production values they had to work with, they made it look really cool and ominous, and you know, tried their best to get in all the phaser shots that they could, and, you know, stick within the budget or whatever. Um, I mean, they do talk about, you know, it reminded me of when they, like when the, the, the Hasbro guys talk about like budgets for, for figure waves or Spectre Creative or something, you know, how they're like always talking about like, oh, you know, sometimes like, you know, you put all the budget into this one figure that's got all the tooling and then, you know, some of these other figures just have to be repaints of existing molds because you're, 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 you know, your your budget is heavy on this one particular figure, but then you know to 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 keep to maintain within the budget that means some of the other figures just have to be kind of more you know less tooling, less less sculpting, and and all that kind of stuff. And and they do talk about how you know sometimes that would be true of a season of of Star Trek where you know there might be episodes where it's just you know two people having a dramatic conversation on, you know, uh, you know, 10 forward or some shit. Right. And then that, you know, basically saves certain amounts of budgeted money so that they can do episodes like these where, you know, they're on a completely different ship with all new sets. That's this Vulcan derelict cruiser and they can, you know, you know, go over budget on their, their phaser fire and all this other kind of stuff. So, but, um, but yeah, I thought it was a good suggestion, Justin. So thanks. It, I, I was wondering, I was going to ask, like that, that, that I, I also like noticed, like you said, Derek, I was like that final scene, like, what was the point of it? Like, I was kind of like, Oh, like trying like to get the you point a, of it. Gotcha. Point of again. It was to add an extra, extra yeah. four minutes. So to like, the I, I was going to ask, is, is that like a, is that a seeding of a subplot where to Paul's like sanity is like constantly in question or does well, that, you know, it, See, I like that ending because they tie it in later in the season because later on you learn, okay, so at the end of the episode, they take that material they recovered, they put it in biocontainment. Later on, we learn that this experience affected T'Pol, and she's been taking small pieces of that material, liquefying it, and she's she's basically shooting up with it to like kind of feel more emotional um i don't know like like she says she's, she's talking to that mako soldier and he's like i thought vulcans didn't have emotions and she's like we have emotions she we just repress them she's taking this you know into her system to kind of like break unlock. down yeah she's trying to like unlock it a little bit and feel more and that kind of goes into her uh, relationship with Trip, and she's using more and more of this, and it really kind of like 
screws her up and she has to like come off of it like an addict. So like that's why this whole like fake out whatever thing doesn't bother me because I I guess it helps after you've seen that stuff. But like with the foreknowledge, I'm like, okay, she had that experience and she's laying in bed and she's like, you know, all sweaty and her eyes are darting around. I'm like, okay, that to me, that means this experience really affected her. It's not just some one-off like episode of the week where like, you know, at the end of the episode, everything resets and we're hunky-dory. Like you see later on, like it affects her. She starts experimenting with that and her emotions and then it influences her uh, relationship with Trip. So I don't have a problem with that. I like that it kind of takes a little thread and keeps it going and it doesn't like reset yeah. the characters to zero afterwards. Yeah, there's a payoff for it. Me, me myself, like, as far as Enterprise goes, I'm going to uh, target this at one of our, our buddies on the Discord. There, there was there was some actual real uh, contention with Enterprise because some people didn't like the idea of going back to square one. Uh, some people loved the idea of forming the Federation, and some people were like, oh, gosh, like, we, we, we moved so far in the Berman era. Why don't we, like, keep going forward? But, like, I, I liked Enterprise. I liked the premise. Uh, the first season was kind of, eh. But, you know, I, I enjoyed the series as a whole. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it was, is up until that point, we had Spock. And Spock was half human, half Vulcan. And, and we saw his, his uh, point of view as far as having emotions and trying to fit in as a Vulcan. And then we had Tuvok, who was all Vulcan, but he was a very loyal and dedicated Starfleet officer. And that was cool seeing that, seeing like just kind of a a, 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 a Vulcan who was, you know, a, a member of the crew in good standing. And now with Enterprise, we have T'Pol. And one of the things I really like about her is that she's a straight up Vulcan all the way. And she's not really affiliated with Star uh, with uh, the, the Federation because it doesn't exist yet. She is there as the Vulcan uh, advisor or, you know, Basically, like her original job is change. It changes over the sea over the seasons because she grows closer with the crew. But originally, she's more or less a spy. She's basically there to report back if like the the crew is doing stuff that the Vulcans would not deem appropriate, and it's like incited to the Vulcan society and stuff. And I I, I like that kind of stuff. And in and like this episode, you know, we have a lot of focus on T'Pol because she is going through this and. One of the things I've always said is Jolene Blaylock, who uh, plays her, she's criminally underrated as like uh, uh, a character in Star Trek. I think I think T'Pol is great. Uh, she plays her really well. She's got the Vulcan thing down. She she plays she plays T'Pol like a person without emotions, but who has them. And that sounds simple to say, but I imagine it's really hard to do. Especially when, I mean, and I'm sorry, but this just facts, Jolene Blaylock is a very attractive woman. So, like, you're also this hot girl in a, a starship with a bunch of guys. You know, there's a couple of female crew members, obviously, but, you know, she's encountering Trip, who's a good old boy. And, and, like, all this stuff is so, so fascinating to me. So, like, I wanted to kind of, you know, address that to the, the, the person on the forums that, like, Enterprise has a cool interplay. And in this episode, you get more to Paul and, you know, you do get Archer trying to save her and, you know, 
it, it really works really well. And it is, it is spooky dooky enough. Like at this point we're in, we're in the two thousands now. So we have like really good, you know, prosthetics. We have like pretty, pretty darn good CGI. Uh, and, uh, not a whole lot of CGI in this episode. I mean, there is the, you know, Vulcan ship and stuff, but like, uh, the sets are really good and, and there's a good atmosphere. You know, I, I, for one, like Vulcan, like centered episodes and enterprise. A lot of people seem to complain about them, but I, I like seeing, you know, not just the culture, but like how like regular ass Vulcans act, not ones who are in Starfleet who've been kind of indoctrinated in the Federation. I find that fascinating. No, no pun intended. Yeah, I agree. Like I thought she did a very good job and, uh, you know, like you said, obviously she's very attractive. Like, you know, she's, she's great. She's nice to look at. Like that doesn't hurt. Like, but no, she, she did a very good job in this episode and like, she had a lot to, you know, this was an episode that gave her a lot to chew like on basically as an actor. So like, yeah. I was going to ask Justin, because I just getting back to the the whole, you know, sort of attacked on, you know, the, the additional ending. Like, do you think if you didn't have the extra ending, you couldn't still do all the things that you were sort of talking about? Like, in other words, like, like they still have the the, you know, metal that they're not going to use or whatever. They still she can still you know, have, uh, what PTSD from this or whatever, right? Like, like does, does the, are there things in the additional ending that like sort of add to that? Or like, would you be missing anything if you, if, if they had just done like a 20, you know, a 40 minute episode instead of a 44 minute episode or whatever? Um, I don't know. I mean, you could still do it, of course, but I mean, I, I don't think you'd be missing very much if it wasn't added on. Okay. I mean, I, I agree yeah. with all you, you guys, like that, uh, that Jolene Baylock, uh, does a, you know, br- brings in a good performance and everything as far as this goes. I mean, she definitely has a lot to do, right? Like it's, I mean, she, you know, we were talking about how, the uh, previous episode we were discussing was kind of a Scotty centric episode. And this is, this is certainly a to Paul centric episode, I think. Right. Like she's, she's, you know, doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the most part. So I agree. As, as far as like the ending, I, I, I kind of side with Justin that it didn't really bother me. Of course, me and him both have the, the, the advantage of hindsight where we've seen all the episodes. So we know where this plays in later. I, I think it would have been, it would have been more uh, of a, a bone of contention if there was never any kind of payoff. So the fact that there was a payoff, I think, is is good at making it up. Like, you know, it's like, oh, see, there was a reason for it. So I think that's why, like, like ju- that's why Justin has that standpoint, and I, I agree with him, that it's not that bad of a, a ending since they did think, uh, you know, later on to include it somehow to where it makes sense to like, oh, not only was that not just a, a, a rando ending, but there's also a payoff for it. So, I mean, I, I, I think it was, it served its purpose. Uh, to your point, if it was shaved off, um, no, they could have still done that episode. I mean, you know, they, they did that with Balana in Voyager where, 
uh, the Maquis all got, you know, pretty much uh, obliterated by the uh, Dominion and Cardassia, we don't see, like, really, like, how it affects her immediately when she gets the news. I mean, she's sad and everything like that. But for, like, episodes and episodes, we don't really see, like, her really, you know, crying and being upset. And then there's one episode where she's been doing, you know, for weeks, uh, months even, riskier and riskier things and it's just the feel and, and yeah that totally pays off too so i mean you know yeah they, they could have totally done the episode with Tapal where they they you know the the mineral the mineral that they they talk about they could have been like oh there was that that's been here all along and she's been using it and like uh we just didn't know about it i mean yeah they could have done that that that's that's not something that was out of bounds but i i like I like long form storytelling. So addressing it later on to me, like just gave a, gave a nice little nod to continuity for me. I'm so glad this was made 20 years ago. Cause I feel like if it were made today, you would have like goofy crew members, like freaking out about zombies. Like no one mm. ever says zombie in this episode. I see. I see. People would be like, Oh my God, we got Vulcan zombies in here. Oh my God. That's so cool. Never mind, they're trying to yell, eat our brains and kill us, but zombies, yay, you know, wigwam, wiggity wassle, like, the zombies, like... <laughs> zombies, fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> we must defeat them with the power of math. Um, I, I will say it was kind of an interesting thematic choice to make uh, Vulcan zombies, because, I mean, uh, 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 we've been just doing rabbit holes like crazy, but I mean, when you think about it, usually zombies are are typically depicted as not really having any emotions. Really, they're just like lumbering and rrr. and to like you know a Starfleet officer is like, so what's the difference? They just eat. They just want to eat our brains now. They're acting the same, you know. <laughs> it's like they, they they still have the same cold, dead stare they had when they were alive. <laughs> they can't say live long and prosper anymore, Tony. That's the difference. Now they just say growl. <laughs> oh, but yeah, if this was done nowadays, yeah, it probably would. No, I don't but know. It, 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 it's, I, I think Justin's point is well taken, right? Because it yeah. sort of, sort of predates the, I don't know, zombie resurgence. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's something that's done, you know, not in a, uh, uh, an entertainment era that's inundated with Walking Dead spinoffs and you know right. remakes after remakes of of you know Dawn of the Dead and whatever of the Dead you know like all this kind of stuff where you know it just it it can be what it is without having to have like uh, annoying and or uh, laborious meta commentary about it it just it just is right so I I think. I think Justin's point is well taken. All right. Well, I, I think this wraps things up for tonight's episode on spooky Star Trek. So if you guys have been enjoying our entire month of coverage on Fanhole's Fright Fest, fret not. It's not over yet. There's going to be 
uh, a few more episodes to close out the month of October. And of course, all month long, we're doing Fan Holes Fright Fest for October. So if you're into that, uh, you can check it out over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to write us letters, emails from hell, you can send them at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We can be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on all kinds of uh, streaming applications. We're on Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And we can, uh, we can, I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, we're on Instagram and things. So, yeah. Uh, and I think that's it. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC signing off. Hey, it's Mike signing off. This is Justin signing off. This is Tony and to boldly scare where no one's ever been scared before. I feel like I could take on a supernova, Captain. <laughs> I can't do a Sulu. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. my. I could take on a supernova. Oh, whoa. <laughs> sure, you can fly the ship. <laughs> With this stuff, I don't need the ship to fly, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a lot of those don't make sense. Was the I didn't watch Morbius, but wasn't the end for that one like yeah, something he, with Vulture and Michael yeah, Keaton? Yeah, he something? talks about that. He talks about mm. like how he was like, I feel so bad for Michael Keaton that he had to say these lines, like because it's like <laughs> Vulture's just like uh, you know, I don't know how I got in this like reality, but I think it has something to do with Spider Man, and we should team up and like you know stuff and. Maybe we should get a, a set number of us, maybe say six of us, and do sinister things together or whatever. <laughs> no, he doesn't does know he, say does all he, that. Does he literally have to say something like that? So very close, not not like as bad as that, but it's very similar to that. <laughs> is 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 he doing his like flighty fucking? I don't know what I bought in the Wayne household delivery for that, where he's like, maybe we should, you know, I don't know, maybe we should, you know, get. You know, six, six of us, six, six of us to get it, to put it together like that. You know, because, well, not... you know, I was I was, you know, I think I think Spider-Man, you know, maybe that's why I'm in another dimension. And maybe six, you think six, six, <laughs> six of us could, could get together and 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 kick his ass. You know, Derek, six? that would be that would be more entertaining than what the actual huh. scene is. <laughs> but it's not even Michael Keaton. It's just like the vulture with his helmet on, and they Michael oh. Keaton like dubbed over the you know voice or whatever. But oh, okay, that's tragic. He was like five of us. No, let's get nuts. Six. Let's get nuts. Six.
Let's do let's do six. Six of us. Six? Six? Six. He, he talks about like Spider Man homecoming too with like the Scorpion or that guy who was supposed to be the Scorpion. Mm. So mm. that's another Michael Keaton after credit scene. Looks like he's trying to restart. Re add himself, maybe. Sometimes that does it. Okay, how about now? Okay, that go. sounds great. There we go. Okay, I only had to do step 437. Cool, awesome. <clears throat> 438. <laughs> That's right, troubleshoot. I'm just going to shoot my phone. It's been a long road getting Tony to stalk. <laughs> Can't hear his audio, but we finally heard it now. And he's gonna hang up one time, one more. Maybe we can get him back. Oh, he's not gonna hang up no more. He's never turning back. I've got faith in the call. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know they changed up that theme song, or at least did a slower version of it in later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they made it more like I don't know. They kind of went from <clears throat> kind of went from Bruce Springsteen to Michael Bolton. Yeah, it was like more mellow. It's uh, still trying to polish a turd, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, you know what the best opening was? It was when they had part two of the Mirror Universe. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, the Mirror Universe opening. Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. When we talked about a Mirror Enterprise episode. 